0: It's a Tuesday edition of Spits and Suds. Thank you so much for joining us on 1053 The Fan. I'm Gavin Spittle of The Fan, and I'm joined, as always, by Sean Shapiro of Shapshots and EP Ringside. He's our NHL guru. How are you, Sean? Did you have a good long weekend?
1: I'm good. I'm good. It was, uh, it was a long ish weekend. It was still kind of, it was, and turned into a pretty fun filled hockey day yesterday, in addition to, uh, catching the the stars game obviously um before that i was able to i was i was over in the uh there was the bio steel um all america game yesterday which is basically the top draft eligible american prospects that play in the ushl so check that out in person yesterday um that was a nice after some nice afternoon hockey before nice. watching some more hockey in the evening and then uh yeah so it's uh it was a good Um, he won't end up in the, uh, he won't end up a Dallas star. Obviously the stars will be in the playoffs, but I will say, uh, there's a prospect by the name of William Smith who plays for the U S under 18 team, who obviously Connor Bedard is going to be the prize in this draft and everything like that. But Smith's going to be a top five team, top five pick. And some teams are going to be pretty happy who they get in the top five with Smith. He saw him play yesterday. He's impressive. So
0: nice, nice. Uh, and then you came home and watched, uh, I, You know, I don't want to call it, I mean, Vegas is really good. Yeah. But I never felt as though, I thought that was just a complete performance by the Dallas Stars. Coming off Saturday's loss, uh, which you played it perfectly on Friday. You told our listeners that this essentially is a road game. And you could see in the first two periods that the legs just weren't there. Uh, Calgary was winning the puck battles. And I mean, credit to Calgary. They came in. Big win against St. Louis on the road. Then they came in and uh, put it to the stars. Not the best game for Wedgwood, uh, but an epic comeback. Um, Just made the game absolutely thrilling in the last six minutes. Um, A lot of fun to watch, and it kind of developed that mentality of never give up, and what I love is the bounce back yesterday in Vegas, the complete performance, and what we both saw a guy named Ty Delandria.
1: Yeah, and Ty was great yesterday. Um and he's been Delandria has been good throughout this season and we've talked a little bit about him here before but I think he's someone who is uh I think Delandria gets grouped into gets grouped into some draft bus talk sometimes unfairly I he off just because he went 13th overall in 2018 I think there's people who will there's sometimes the the, the discussion of should he have been more and kind of who else he could have had and, and all that stuff and at the end of the day um I think, Delandria deserves more credit for the success he's had. Um, I think he's someone who was, he was a little bit more of a late bloomer, just as far as kind of taking the time to fit into the game. But you look at that draft class, and you look how other things went, and I think we should—you need to like judge draft classes with a curve, right? You look at the other guys that went around where Delandria went, and everything like that. And it wasn't—it wasn't a bad pick. It wasn't—it was—he ended up getting. A viable player, a guy who's going to be part of your leadership group in the future, and a guy who just kind of needed to kind of grow into his role. And I think we're seeing that this season. And I, and I thought yesterday was a perfect example of it. He had the obviously had the pair of points, but aside from the pair of points, he is just impacting the game in all three zones. He's he's becoming kind of a complete player for this team, and most importantly, he's doing it where. I love that. Even at six one hundred 200 pounds, however big he is, he plays a lot bigger than he has than than, than he is too. Like I think yeah. he adds some elements to his game that you look at his physical profile and you're like, I don't. I, that's kind of surprising. That shouldn't be part of his profile, but he adds it to his game, and I like it.
0: He reminds me uh, the name that I thought of yesterday when watching him, and I think he has a ton of upside. But he reminds me kind of a combo of Brendan Morrow, but the name that came up was Stu Barnes in that Stu would do whatever it took for a win. And Stu did so many little things that didn't show up on the stat sheet. And those are kind of the names that, you know, I, I mean, Morrow was a terrific scorer. And Morrow just had grit. And I love DeLandria's grit. I love that part of the game. But, I mean, you could see him in so much pain yesterday on the bench. And then he's right back out there.
1: Yeah, I think Brendan. I mean, I like this. I like the Stu Barnes comparison. I wonder if the, I wonder if they'll ever be as many points as Stu had. You know, I guess Stu Barnes. I guess Stu Barnes is kind of an interesting one to gauge, right? Because there's there's Stu Barnes who was in Dallas, who yep. was kind of closer to the end of his career and was a twenty high twenty low thirty point guy. And then there's also Stu Barnes who at one point dropped 65 points with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I th- still, I don't know if Ty DeLandria will be that Stu Barnes, but I think you look at kind of the 30, 40 point guy, I think that fits. And I think same thing with kind of, I think the same thing with Moro, where Morrow had kind of had a couple like outlier seasons which were great where he had i think he had like 70 i just pulled up his stat page he had like a 74 point and a 65 point season and i think Delandry is the type of guy where you could see one of those one one of those kind of like one or two seasons like that but the rest will probably be in the the 30 to four hopefully high 40 30 to 40 point range but that's i think i think that's a fair comp i think um the other thing about DeLandria that I think we forget too is like I said, he plays bigger than his size, but he's even bigger than he's bigger than Morrow. He's bigger than Barnes. He's bigger than both those guys. So he already has a little bit of uh but I think just because of how big and fast players look now, DeLandria doesn't look as, um, as big as we give him credit for. I, I think mm-hmm. that's another element of this. Yeah.
0: Too. Yeah. No, a- a- absolutely. And the thing I also liked about yesterday's game was a few of the goals were one in the corners. And what I mean by Mm -hmm. that is, you know, plenty of Vegas players around fighting for the puck, but the stars just outworked them and brought it to the point. And I I just, you know, I mean, just, it it was almost like they went in there, Sean, and said, Saturday was a fluke. You know, the energy's getting recharged. Here we go. And I almost feel as though Ottinger, I don't want to say he wasn't tested because in the second period, that toe pad save he made, off a tip was unreal. Um, But, you know, for the most part, it wasn't like Vegas had sustained pressure. And I felt as though even towards the end of the game, the stars continued to put pressure in the Vegas zone. So, you know, I'm still trying to get over, Sean, the the third period old, you know, stars where they'd kind of just lay back. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, play defensive hockey, you know, I, I, it's still like, you know, yesterday I'm like, wow, they're really working in the offensive zone, you know, down to the wire up this many goals. They're not kind of going to that defensive shell. I have to remind myself new regime, new players.
1: Yeah. It's, it was weird. This is stars did their job and I loved how they came out, especially after the pretty much of a letdown of the first 40 minutes against Calgary. Um, It's also just, it was a weird sleepy game for Vegas, right? Like it was one of those games where um, take nothing away from what the stars did, but throughout that game, you're like, you kept waiting for like, like, you know, like that that meme where people are like poking something with a stick. Like, I feel like that's, that's kind of like how, like if you were a Vegas fan watching that game, you'd be like, okay, you're going to, you're going to do something because like, it just felt like Vegas never, they were there, the, like they are going for a leisurely afternoon skate because it was a what was it a four o'clock start time Vegas I think. Uh
0: well, three. it was a uh, five o'clock here, so that would make so it the th- oh yeah the time change. Well, they, yeah. they're on West Coast time, so it's two hours.
1: Yes. Yeah, so it would have been a three o'clock start time, yep. and so like it just kind of felt like they were going through a leisurely afternoon skate, and the stars were and the stars were ready. So credit to Dallas. Not really sure what was up with vegas on that and it's also the other just weird thing about vegas and i know we'll get more into this later because we're going to talk some more about just kind of the state of the west later in this episode but like something that i didn't realize about vegas um obviously there was all of the big when they came into the league there was the whole like ah they won at home all the time they had this fortress and everything like that and the vegas flu and all that stuff did you know if and i'm sure if you look at the standings maybe you knew, but right now Vegas is only thirteen and twelve at home this season.
0: That's amazing.
1: They're fit, obviously they're they're the best road team in the NHL. They're fifteen 3, and two away from that building. Yeah, but it's just it's just it's interesting to think like that building is one where like it's got this rep this reputation as being tough to play and this place that they built a fortress out of right away and like yeah, they're they're five hundred in that building. It's what they're doing away from that building that is. Um, just an interesting twist of how that for another turn that franchise has taken. just, yeah, in tr- interesting ways. So. No, you're
0: absolutely right. Cause if it was the first year of Vegas and you just threw out those stats, people say, well, that's cause it's in Las Vegas. You can't concentrate. There are too many distractions. Yeah. You know, but I, I don't think people understand, you know, I lived there for four and a half years. Living in Las Vegas is the equivalent of living in Plano or living in Frisco or, yeah. or Dallas or anything like that. It's not like. You know, it's your house, and then you have to shut the blinds because Caesars Palace is right next door. It's not like that at all. There are neighborhoods. They're beautiful. And, uh, you know, where the... In fact, where Vegas practices is in a master plan community, one of the largest in the United States, called Summerlin, and that is an absolutely beautiful place for the players to live. So it's actually a really good place for players to reside. Um, But you're right. That was a den that was hard to play in. That was a a barn that was loud that was fans getting into it and you're right you didn't hear that raucous crowd yesterday honestly you're right you didn't see really you know any big hits which you know usually after a team goes up a couple of goals you know you'll want someone on the team to provide a little spark a lot of energy and uh yeah jack eichel was on the ice yesterday didn't really hear from him at all so uh yeah it was just one of those things where uh, I'm sure Bruce Cassidy has them working today because yesterday it was not their best
1: performance. No, it wasn't.
0: And, you know, it was kind of interesting, too, because they had highlighted prior to the game, and Bruce Cassidy talked um, in his presser about him being let go of Boston, Pete DeBoer being let go in Vegas, and how well, you know, Vegas is playing now. And how well the stars are playing right now. So it was kind of an interesting game and Pete DeBoer makes his, uh, return to Vegas as well. I don't know if that fired the players up. Um, but you have to think in the back of DeBoer's mind, um, you know, that, that felt good to get that win.
1: Yeah, it did. I mean, you go and you get the opportunity to kind of, uh, get some revenge, we'll call it. And, uh, I'm sure that felt good for Pete and it's, it's something where that's uh, uh, obviously he's happy with where he is, but it's, uh, it's, it's easy to kind of, to look at what, what happened with Vegas and how, and how things went and everything. And to feel like you kind of didn't get the best opportunity if you're Pete and stuff like that, just where a couple of things along those lines. So I'm sure he got, he was happy to go in there and win and uh, kind of uh, show it. Kind of show it back to the Golden Knights ownership a bit.
0: So the road trip continues tomorrow, uh, followed by Thursday, uh, the Sharks and the Kings and a uh, little revenge on the mind. Hopefully Thursday to get two points out of the Kings, who played really well, um, you know, against the Stars last time they met and uh, the Sharks, which have kind of been uh, passed this year. Uh, The Stars beat them on New Year's Eve, but earlier in the year, uh, the Sharks, should I say, came into the AAC and pulled off a victory against the Stars. So it'll be interesting. It's just been such a long road trip, like back and forth and then home. Uh, But, you know, after that, it's some serious home cooking. I mean, we're talking, as I added up right here, you have the Coyotes, the Sabres, the Hurricanes, the Devils, the Ducks, the Wild, the Lightning, the Bruins. The Wild, the Blue Jackets, and the Blackhawks before then you go back to Vegas on February 25th.
1: That's a good stretch. I mean, but, you had yeah. to get through the road trip, and the Stars are doing what they have to on the road, right? Right now, they're 14, 7, and 4 away from Dallas. They're, they're already playing with house money. Like, right? Like, you want, I think, a good NHL team, if you're like a team that is going to be in the playoffs and everything like that you want to be at the spot where hey you're winning 25 road games probably it's, it's probably the rough it's probably it's probably the rough number Yeah, that's that's even a bit high but like stars are on pace for to win uh 25 is way too high i apologize that. you should win about 20 road games if you if you can go if you can win about 20 games maybe go like 20 16 and 5 something like that and the stars are 14 7 and 4 on the road right now and they're playing with house money already even if you just play 50-50 hockey on the road rest of the season you'll be thrilled with what you've done already so like i'm i'm very happy with what this team has done on the road and then you just continue to turn your own building into a bit of a we use the word fortress before but like the stars they're going to have a heavier uh, home schedule the rest of the second half of the season you take advantage of that it's it's it sets up well if you're looking at kind of how this conference is going to play out
0: yeah absolutely and that's a great segue Uh, You mentioned let's talk about the conference because we are kind of sort of heading in the home stretch now in the West. So as you look at the big picture, who do you think, Sean, um, will struggle to get in? Um, And who do you think some of the teams are that down the stretch you're like, oh, man, I don't want to play them? Obviously, to me, the top of the list is the team is Colorado because as they continue to get healthy, I mean, even if they're a wild card team, I don't want to face the Colorado Avalanche.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the the thing with Colorado that you kind of hope is it's going to be just a terrible door prize for like. There's a potential uh, prize for winning the division, which means you get to play the Avalanche in the first round. And if you're either if you're both Dallas and Winnipeg, if you're both like because um, they're they're the two I think they're going to be jockeying back and forth for the top of the central the rest of the year um, you just kind of it would be nice to see Colorado catch fire earlier than later honestly just because you'd rather see them kind of jump into that three spot you, you just don't want I don't want to see him in the wild card like because I don't think I think the team in the central is going to have actually the best possible scenario is Colorado gets a wild card spot and ends up crossing over to the Pacific. Uh, you just, cause the avalanche, I think are going to get in. And so I see in the West right now, Winnipeg, Dallas, Minnesota, um, the Pacific Vegas, Seattle, LA top three, Edmonton and Calgary are currently in those wild card spots. And then you have the Avs. Um, And then after that, to me, there's a big drop off. Like I blues and Nashville technically are probably within point striking distance and the blues are even tied with the abs on points but they played three more games and i just don't see it with the blues or nashville um i think of the of the current eight teams in the playoff position i think seven of them will be in colorado will replace one of them the question is is it going to be will it be which of the pacific teams will drop out because i think you're going to get winnipeg dallas and minnesota and colorado will all be in i think vegas and seattle will both be in um and i think and i think it's really going to come down to a battle of an in in season battle of alberta for that last playoff spot because i think they think the haves are coming they're going to get in and it's the pacific's weird man like you look at the teams like the fact that uh the initial goal he put in is is Thompson from Vegas. And not that he's having a bad year, but the fact that he's the best goalie in the Pacific just tells you like Seattle is getting it done with bad goaltending. Mm-hmm. LA is getting it done with bad goaltending. Edmonton, bad goaltending. Calgary, bad goaltending. Like if I was, if like all of a sudden you look at Colorado and a Colorado team in theory, that is locked and loaded and found its groove, If it ends up getting the crossover wildcard spot to play against the Pacific, that could be terrible news because i could see them just ripping through that division. Yeah. like it's like we we talk about the avs and they're like this impending storm just because they are that good and once they get healthy they're going to be a problem.
0: yeah. yeah, the other the other thing to think about is you just mentioned the standings. i mean you could be looking at a situation where i mean, if you're the stars, would you rather finish first in the central and play edmonton as the wild card or um, would you rather face the Wild in a two-three scenario?
1: I still, I'd rather play Edmonton. Okay. I, think. I, I mean, I know McDavid's the best player because the of their world, goaltending. And yeah, man, and I, I know McDavid's the best player in the world, and I know the. Um, but to me, um, with Edmonton's goaltending and with, I don't really trust their back end that much. I just, I think at the end of the day, it's contain McDavid and you'll beat the Oilers. I I, I do think that's the true and not, not easier said than done, obviously, but I, yeah. I do, I still, I still think there's a, I also think there's a value and I want to be in that. I want to be in that one spot for the second round against Winnipeg, because I want that battle of a series to have to go through Dallas. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's such a, when you know, think big picture and think long-term, I think, I think being at the top of the conference, having the number one spot, I think there's so much value in that, especially when you have these some of these some of these playoff series that are going to be battles the way they're going to be, um, and just the stars have shown that playing at home is such a benefit for them, and you don't you want to kind of give yourself every little advantage that you have. Uh, the good thing you look at for Dallas and you don't have the goaltending question. I talked about Vegas and Seattle and LA, right? And you're like, I don't know. I don't know about that goaltending in the playoffs. Like, I trust Shea Gottenture in the playoffs. So you're yeah. happy with that. If you're Dallas, that you're really happy with that. Uh, I, I think that's the other just important thing to remember. And it's going to be really interesting to see how the West, if there's even much movement, because it's it's a It's a very weird trade market right now. Um, you look at the, the trade deadline coming up, and there's definitely some, um, but everyone kind of knows who the buyers and the sellers are. And so there's like kind of this weird standoff going. and mm-hmm. and it's kind of created this spot where like I'm, I'm really interested to see what the moves are because you got teams who are kind of in this spot where even the teams that want to tank, someone's or so-called tank they're not bad enough where they're going to be able to tank all the way to get to what columbus is doing i mean like we talk about the Connor bedard sweepstakes right and like columbus and chicago are just sprinting to the bottom yep. better than like it's 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 so it's, it's a very weird space and a very weird trade market normally this time of year we hear about a lot more things but i think just the combination of kind of that clear divide where the cap is how much cap space is is not uh how much cap space is playing a factor it just kind of created really like dry yeah. distilled trade market that I think um someone from the West like I think uh if you were to take current rosters you'd be pretty happy with any of the teams from the central um I think the teams from the Pacific, I think the team that comes out of the Pacific will be the team that adds that one extra piece, Um, whether it's Seattle finding another top six guy, whether it's LA shoring up a little bit, whether it's Vegas, I think whichever team from the Pacific kind of adds that piece, I think that will be the the kind of, in the game of margins, will be a big difference.
0: You you mentioned Connor Bedard, and I, I was thinking this, I can't remember an original six team you know, when when I think of like the quote unquote can't miss prospects, you know, with the draft, I think of Sidney yeah. Crosby, I think of Vivechkin, uh, I think of Connor McDavid. Um I'm trying to think of a couple of others, but you never see them go to original six teams. So it would be fascinating to see Bedard land in an original six market, a massive hockey market, uh like Chicago. I mean that that would be really interesting to see.
1: Yeah, I mean I, yeah, it was I'm thinking about this right now. Um, I mean Yager it's, it's been a long Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's been a long yeah, but not a like it's been a long time. Um like the kind of the hype going into it. I just want to double-check something real quick on this.
0: Um, I really can't. I mean, obviously, they no, well, they I mean, found the main, players, you know, Pasternak, but Pasternak was yeah, drafted, you know, mid know, to low but, first round.
1: I mean, well, we got to be fair. Chicago got Patrick Kane number one overall. There you go. Okay. Like, like that's like Patrick Kane. Like but Patrick did he have Kane that had,
0: hype? I mean, I, yeah, I guess if you're uh, number one, but, I mean, you know what I'm saying, like the next can't yeah, miss.
1: Yes, I think I think Patrick he did not have the Connor Bedard hype. He had the future superstar hype. Yeah, but obviously he's had a great career and everything like that. But well, I guess Austin does, Matthews
0: he, would be a candidate too, being Toronto.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's I think where you're going with this and what's kind of like just as far as. I think it's more of a Montreal thing, actually, if anything. Like, you think about like Montreal had the number one pick last year and they took Slavkovsky number one. And Mm -hmm. while Slavkovsky, I think, will be a pretty good player, it's not like he was a generational, like, can't miss guy. That's what I mean. These kind of, yeah, like these kind of generational can't miss guys that come around. um, It's McDavid, it's Bedard is going to be, Bedard is legit. Like, he's going to be, I just, Of all the places for him to end up, I personally, and I know the hockey world will probably disagree with me on this, but like, I would actually love to see him end up in Columbus, just from the perspective of, I think it's a hockey market that gets kind of dunked on more often than it should. And it's a team where if you put him and Johnny Goudreau together... All of a sudden you have, and, and you got line A team line up a. one time, yeah. right? Like all of a sudden that team is, you're going to the off season and you're a UFA looking at Columbus and you're like, oh man, there's, there's something here. Like, I think it could really, yeah. it's a, it's a market that's also only ever won one playoff series. Like it's something where I think it would be good for, to add another team into the profile of, you need to watch this team. Yeah. So
0: yeah. All right, we'll continue around the NHL here with Sean Shapiro. Just some quick notes. Nick Robertson, brother of Jason Robertson, out for the season. Um, Shoulder surgery, uh, and hopefully, you know, he comes back. But every time he has been injured, he's come back stronger. Um, Showed some real nice flashes for the Maple Leafs this year. Uh, My fingers are crossed uh, that Nick Robertson will be back uh, next year, and we'll have a healthy and uh, a good training camp coming up. Uh, This was really cool. NHL.com, they released their fantasy rankings, Sean. And sometimes things just click where you're like, oh, wow. Top four fantasy rankings. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, David Pasternak, Jason Robertson, number four. That to me was just, yeah, it just just shows up and it's like, wow. And number 29 was Jake Ottinger. That's the next star. But it was just so cool seeing um robertson's name up there with the greats.
1: yeah it's i mean he should be in that conversation and i don't play i don't play fantasy hockey anymore it's something that i used to do and it's something that but just from the perspective of you're talking about great players in the league and a guy who's gonna win your league for you that's definitely he's definitely one of the guys um i uh it's It's good to see, we've talked a lot about Jason, but it's good to see him take this stride and take these steps and just going to continue. Like, it's great. It's it's awesome. it,
0: It is. It is awesome. I did, last year, we would talk about the Battle of Alberta and how it was, can't miss, and how it was so awesome. So Saturday night, I had a chance to watch Boston and Toronto. And to me, that's the matchup this year where every time they're playing, you need to watch it. It has awesome offensive ability. The checking is really hard. They drop the mitts. Clearly, there's a dislike going on. Um, in fact, there was a skirmish uh, going at the end of the first period where the players would not leave the ice. So good job by the referees there. I don't know if you caught any of the game on Saturday night, but I was locked in. I just thought it was a really, really cool game and i'm super excited to see those teams again
1: yeah it's i mean it's always going to be big there obviously i think boston is in a class of its own right now this season um but they one of the reasons they are in a class of their own is they continue to win they continue to win those games that are close and like they continue to win those games that are close and you're like oh this is why they're one of the best teams in the league it's not the games where they blow teams out it's the you go into a dogfight, you punch each other in the chin, all any other cliche you want right now, and you're the guy that always comes out, even if it's close. That's what the Boston Bruins are, and that's why they are such a scary matchup for yeah, any team. A- absolutely, you can give them your best. You can give them your best, and they're going to walk away still.
0: And you know me, I'm old school, but uh, Wayne Simmons was was mucking it up, and every time a Toronto player got pushed around, he would jump in there and say, no, nah, grab me." You know, and he had a great fight with Felino and uh, Hockey Night in Canada highlighted it because at the end, um, they obviously know each other; we're teammates. Uh, Simmons pats him on the head and says, "Good job." I just thought it was just a ultimate show only in hockey. You know, do you fist fight someone and then pat him on the head just minutes later? It was just it was kind of it was kind of cool yeah. to see. Uh, Jim Rutherford in Vancouver, very vocal, says, "Quote: The team needs major surgery." So. I have given you the shopping cart, Sean Shapiro, (laughs) and I'm asking you, who would you like from the Vancouver Canucks? Uh, Two contracts that make sense: Kuzmenko, Luke Shen, maybe for some defensive depth. Um, We know the big names, we know the bessers of the world, you know. So, I mean, there are a lot of names. And Jim Rutherford said, basically, all players are on the table, um, probably minus a few, but. He really wants to change. How many teams do you think are going to jump in and try to grab someone from Vancouver?
1: Yeah. Like you look down there and I know they're trying to resign Kizmenko, but I just, I don't know how, I don't know if it gets done. Um, Horvat to me will be traded before the deadline. His value has never been higher. Um, he's going to get moved. He's probably going to get overpaid too. Just, and just, since kind of the nature of things like he's, been underpaid in the past i'll probably be overpaid after this summer um it's the one to me that will be really interesting um if anyone can pry someone out of there would be um would be the the quinn hughes the quinn hughes option because obviously hughes is a is a great defenseman i love the way he moves the puck he's, yeah. he's dallas would dallas would never be able to make, make the fit with the space and everything like that but in general i just wonder as you talk about a pure everything that's not nailed down or not named Elias Pedersen is available. I'm really curious to see what happens with Hughes because he to me could be one of the surprise moves before the deadline. Um, I think any of the other guys getting moved is not as much of a surprise. Um, and it's more of a just, hmm, what, what did it take that? That's kind of, as I look at that, um, I, if, if you can get, if you can land Kuzmenko I think that would be the one for me for Dallas where I'd be like, okay, this, this would be the piece I'd want. That's the winger I would want in my top six. That's the winger that would be able to play alongside Sagan. I'd be, I'd be, I would like Kuzmenko. I don't know if he's going to get, they're going to get it done if he's going to sign or not, but he's the one to me that I would circle on, on your Dallas stars shopping list as, as where I'm going. Now we got to remember because there are, um, as much as hockey trades are hockey trades, there is a human side of everything too. And one of the human elements you have to keep in mind with Vancouver and Dallas is um, Tom Ghilardi and the, uh, and the Canucks owner Aquilini aren't, aren't actually don't exactly see eye to eye. So the two organizations trading with each other is not common. So you have to realize that it's going to be unlikely for the stars to get something done out of Vancouver at a market rate and for that reason, you have to be very careful to not overspend because of billionaire hubris, for lack of a better word. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And finally, uh, we don't want to end on a, a sad note, but you know, you had mentioned um, the human side of aspects. Yeah. Uh, Robert Lerner uh, of the Vegas Golden Knights has filed for bankruptcy, Chapter 7, $50 million in debt. Uh, we know of his past with mental health issues. So we hope, uh, wish him and the best, uh, to his, uh, family. Um, if you want to go read the story, you can go read the story. You know, not much we can say at this point, just wanted to give you the news and, uh, fingers crossed, right, Sean.
1: Yeah. And best of luck to him. Obviously he's dealt with some things that he's been open about in his career. And I'm sure there's things that, uh, and obviously with this, this bankruptcy stuff, there's some other stuff that has come out too. So best of luck to him. And, and you just hope that he, uh, it's just you got to remember these are human beings and hopefully the human comes out in the end. So that's, uh, that's important about all of this.
0: Okay. And coming up, we have the San Jose sharks this week, Sean, if I'm watching the San Jose sharks, is there any players that you have interest in?
1: Well, of course, I mean, there's always, we've told, we've talked about Eric Carlson. It's always <laughs> the Eric Carlson show, but, um, the to you look at that team um, Carlson is obviously the guy to watch. Um, I saw someone the other day ask if uh, it, it is funny to look about, think about what if, because the stars were very close to trading for Eric Carlson when, uh, when, before he ended up going to San Jose and essentially the senators were pushing for Miro Heshkin and obviously be, be very happy. They didn't make that deal. But, um, the one to me that is interesting and you talk about potentially from a Dallas perspective of, hey, could we get this guy is Timo Meyer's a UFA this summer. So you get to the point of like, OK, do I uh, can 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 I get Timo Meyer into Dallas? That's the uh, that's that's kind of the space that is. Uh, that, that's that's the question for me from a trade deadline player building uh, space that starts to stick out for me.
0: Yeah, they're stuck with Logan Couture for a few more years. Wow, at yeah. eight million a year. I was just looking yeah, down their roster because I wanted to. I was getting jealous of you doing all the shopping on this program. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I do like Nick Benino too.
1: Not a bad player. No, I think he, he no. Could, yeah,
0: no. you know me. Every episode, I got to yep. mention that fourth line depth. Yep. yep. <laughs> well, you're a baller, sir. And we will catch up with you later on in the week. Hopefully, uh, after. Uh, four points. So uh, that would be great. Um, And you're a beast. And thank you for all the NHL information. And uh, that's going to do it for Spits and Suds. And uh, if you hear this program and you like this program, don't forget, spread the word. There's a great hockey show here in Dallas-Fort Worth meant to grow the great game. So you can download us. You can share it with a friend. If you have any questions, Feel free to reach out at Sean Shapiro on Twitter. I'm at GJ Spittle. So that's going to do it for another episode. Thanks for joining us, everyone, on through The Fan.